Welcome to the Modern Futures Podcast. Humanity is evolving at a pace never seen before. Join futurist Nicholas Badminton as he discusses how new ideas and developments impact us today, how they will make tomorrow more productive, and how they can make life a little more challenging. Today's Modern Futures podcast. I'm happy to be sat here with Karis O'Connell, CEO of Human. Hi, Karis. How are you? Hey, hi, Nick. Good to be here. Yeah, great. Um, Karis, I, I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about your story, uh, how you came to be in Vancouver and to, to run a company that focuses on VR, AR, wearables, and mixed modal reality. How I got to Vancouver. So. I, uh, as you can probably tell from the accent and from the same island you're from, yeah. grew up in the UK, moved uh, to Berlin, Germany uh, back in 2000, started uh, working for an IT company called Pingbar at the time, and uh, I'd been into the music industry for, for quite some time in my earlier life, back in the 90s in the UK, and uh, what was interesting was uh, how I got into this technology area was... Uh, working in the music industry, we were approached by a company called Propellerhead Software. Yeah. And who, who make Reason Software? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it was their very, very first release, and it was the first attempt at computer music, a serious attempt at computer music. And they were looking for feedback on the interface and how it worked. And this was the Rebirth application, was it, or was it before that even? It was the. It was Reason. Oh, it was actually. It was Reason. the very first Reason. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that was kind of my got my interest into how you interact with things. Yes. Right. Yeah, pretty quickly found that I was quite good at this, like in terms of understanding how interfaces could be or should be. And uh, this was what sort of propelled me out of the music industry and into the sort of world of, at that time, it was like IT. It was before startups sure. were a thing per se. And Desperately uh, unsexy. Yeah, exactly. It was just nerdy, right? So um, I joined this company and we worked with uh, Apple, and uh, I became an Apple system designer. So I got qualified working inside of Apple. There was this qualification for uh, learning how to design full end-to-end systems on Apple hardware and software. I did this for about four years in Berlin, and then uh, I got approached by a guy I knew from an agency called Icon Mobile, which was a big uh, German design firm at the time. And he said to me, hey, you know, do you want to... um, come on board and help us design a phone and I was very much like okay yeah sure I, yes I can do that and uh, I joined Icon Mobile and we worked for Samsung and Vodafone okay. and designed their first Samsung flagship phone. Ah, and what, what year was this Karis? Uh, 2007 yep. I think it was 2007. So they, was this pre-touch phone pre-smartphone? This was the very first Samsung foray into a smartphone okay. at the time. And this was before iOS and it was before uh, Android and Samsung had its own operating system. So I did that for about a year and then I got approached by Nokia and 
Nokia was interested in my background of being with Apple and Samsung and design and uh, said, hey, you know, we're looking for our, some of our first designers uh, for the site in Berlin, which was Nokia Maps. And I joined Nokia uh, in 2009, February 2009, and quickly sort of got deeply involved in a gargantuan mothership. <laughs> how many how many people were at Nokia at that point in time? Uh, in Berlin there was I was employee number 227. Okay. And this was a small office, right? Yeah, this was a small <laughs> office. I was employee number 227. I've even got a top they gave out tops that were individually printed for each employee so you knew your number. With your number? Yeah. That's so very still got that, this. that's very human. Yes. Uh, and then um, I was designer number four. Aha, okay. Pretty much at that point, Nokia had outsourced a lot of the design work to uh, an agency called Fjord, yep. which is now with Accenture. That's right. And so Nokia was kind of made up internally of mainly Fjord employees, actually, who were reporting and obviously working for Fjord. Mm. So it created a, a, a strange kind of a strange situation where there was very little internal designers but were somehow responsible and there was obviously a lot of external but this changed over the time that I was there yeah so uh, Fjord eventually and Fjord like you know they, they now they were acquired by Accenture uh, three or four years ago I think and uh, essentially an incredible design company anyway in yeah. their own right yeah. you know yeah yeah definitely they were they were a great bunch of people and of course when uh, when eventually Nokia wanted to stop working with Fjord a lot of them jumped ship to Nokia. Uh, so that was back in like 2010, yeah. uh, 2011. I was told of a project in Vancouver. And um, I'd never been to Vancouver, but I'd visited Canada many times because my parents uh, emigrated here in, two, in 1999 and they moved to Calgary. Right. And I'd been visiting Canada and go, been going to Calgary and I didn't have any interest in living in Canada. <laughs> but Vancouver, I was like, oh yeah, okay, let me, let's see what that's like. I came over here uh, for two weeks to head up this project between Vancouver and, and Berlin. I loved it. I thought it was great, right. Vancouver. And so it sort of stuck in my mind when I got back to Berlin and I'd been there for 10 years at this point and was kind of like ready for a change. Yeah. So I inquired in Vancouver and they were looking for a, like a head of design uh, for here. They were building the design team. Yeah. Uh, it was a much bigger site. It was like 450 people were in Vancouver and went through a whole bunch of process to get over here and get it. It was, I won't go through it, but it was incredibly stressful esoteric and i will never do it again so Move, um, moving from country to country yeah and uh, but you know just the amount of paperwork sure. uh, within the company to do such a thing because i was moving myself and my family so you know they had to pay for everything relocation packages and everything else um, it was it was quite an event yep so complex um, complex well uh, seemingly simple but infinitely yeah complex, so I, but... I got here in uh, 2011 headed up the design team uh, which grew pretty fast actually locally and then I got I heard rumors from the mothership in Helsinki that there was going to be some cuts mm. and that I was being warned that uh, the cuts were coming to North America first and so uh, what was funny uh, interesting story was 
Nokia was uh, Nokia's site is actually technically in Burnaby. Sure. But it's identified inside Nokia. It was identified as Nokia Vancouver because mm-hmm. there was no Vancouver site, but everyone's heard of Vancouver. Yeah. So when the cuts came, uh, I remember talking to my friends in in uh, in Berlin, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. It's only this site. Not I think it's called Nokia Burnaby is yeah. going to be shut down. <laughs> but you're right because you're in Vancouver, right?" <laughs> Obviously, they didn't oh, realize yeah. it was the same. So he got shut down, and um, and this is a big deal, right? This I was mean, no- Nokia was the most successful cell phone, yes. smartphone, well, cell phone producer in the world. Yeah. So when I joined them, they were selling, which is kind of unprecedented even now, three hundred million handsets per quarter. It's crazy. Yeah. Not if you put together Apple, Samsung, yeah. and the top ten. None of them together reach that proportion, yeah. and it's fuel. It, that was fueled a lot by the model of subsidisation within the telco industry, yeah. and 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 people giving away handsets for free to, to buy subscription, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and Nokia was there, perfect. Uh, when I worked in telecoms billing, and then the yeah. telecoms industry, this is this was what fueled everything. But yeah. it, it it absolutely it came back to bite them because it, it, that whole model has has changed the that changed the industry into a a way where the providers of the hardware were the ones that were going to win. Yes. The telcos were kind of caught in this situation that they couldn't get out of. Uh, yes. And then, you know, people like Nokia and Samsung, whatever, would make tons of cash. But then Apple comes in and says, that's not how we work as well, right? Exactly. I mean, I think what was interesting with, with Apple's entry into the market, you know, I was in Nokia and the Apple had been sort of verbally announced by this point but yeah. still hadn't hit the streets 1997 uh, no no 2007 no sorry. it was 2009 was when it actually released 2008 right. at end of 2008 2000, right. early 2009 and when i joined nokia which was like you know four three months in germany after yeah. it had been released there was still a belief in nokia the, and, and actually that pervaded most of the mobile industry at the time, that there was no chance that Apple was going to make any headway into this. That's right? right. Because they were just, you know, in quotes, a computer company. They what were not, what do they know? What right. do they know about what people want, right? And remember, at this time, uh, Nokia also spent the largest amount of R&D dollars of any consumer electronic company. They were spending around about 4 billion euros a year on R&D, and they were doing deep ethnographic research around what people wanted. You know, we, they would embed teams in, in Africa. They would send teams out there for months at a time to work out in great, great detail what people actually wanted, literally, right? And they would try to translate that into a, head, uh, a, a handset that they would then try and sell to that market. To them, Apple's arrogance was, you know, here's one device yeah. in one color. You can't modify it. And, of course, they just thought, there's no way this is ever going to take off. And it was beautiful and it worked. It was beautiful and it worked. And the other thing was that people struggled with, they could not understand at Nokia how a company had made a capacitive screen like that. Because Nokia had attempted previously to make a a similar capacitive screen and it hit blockers. So, of course, they actually thought Nokia, uh, Apple was lying about the iPhone. Oh, dear. Yes. That was a mistake. It was a mistake. So... The you know interestingly in Nokia the first people to adopt the iPhone was the design division, so everyone was carrying iPhones, which was looked down upon within the company because of course you know they were very much like not wanting to recognise the uh, superiority at the time of the iPhone, 
but does the design group desperately wanted to uh, teach the rest of the corporation that you know there's a lot of stuff to learn from this right and you know got to drop a little bit of the arrogance and the complacency that a lot of big corps suffer from you know arguably including apple um uh, but uh, at that time you know nokia was so brimming with uh, hubris that uh, again much like palm yeah palm who remembers palm uh, I, I used to have a palm pilot yeah, yeah. i used to play tetris on it after after a while that's the only that was the only use that i really uh <laughs> it was the only use i could find for it yeah. it was kind of ridiculous and then one of the buttons broke yeah. and i think that was the problem with palm quality was yeah. was a real yeah, yeah. real de- i mean know, Actually, that's a good point you brought up because one of the things, the solid points with Nokia was always the quality of yes. the handsets. They were they were essentially bomb-proof, uh, literally bomb-proof. And so, you know, people do actually, it's interesting even now, people look back at that with sort of fond memories of their first Nokia. Yeah. Um, I've still I've still got two or three Nokias and when I go back to the UK or go to Europe, I just buy SIM cards for them and yeah. they work absolutely perfectly. Oh, yeah. absolutely. They're just feature phones, but they're, they're, they're going to work forever. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So that was the sort of, for me, the, uh, the very specifically the sort of consumer electronic yeah. area of, of my career working there. I learned a lot. So obviously I got to see things grow. I got to see, I got, you know, the benefit arguably of being in the middle of the world's largest tel, you know, telecoms focus company collapse and seeing it from the inside taught me a lot uh, about what works and what doesn't work. Um, but anyway, Nokia shut down the Canada office in 2012 and kind of, you know, for the most part, left everybody to fend for themselves, yeah. you know, and I had to do some serious thinking uh, being in Vancouver. Um, I didn't actually have the permission at the time to work because my contract, my permission was tied to Nokia. So that made it even more complicated. But I decided to make a go of it, and um, I uh, uh, i think it was you, actually, Nick, that introduced me to uh, a guy called Boris Mann, a local startup entrepreneur in Vancouver, and he kind of wanted me to stay in Vancouver, even though I was being offered relocation to Sunnyvale by Nokia, and... I was not so sure. I went for a lot of interviews and ended up going to a company called Global Mechanic, uh, got introduced to them. They actually didn't even have a job position for me at all. In fact, they weren't advertising anything and they weren't even in the field of design. They were an animation company and um, I went in and sort of pitched them on, hey, would you guys be interested in hiring somebody <laughs> uh, that you've never met before to build an area of a business that you don't know anything about for an unseen market that you don't know or I don't know exists? How about it? And uh, I, you know, absolutely respect to uh, the owners, Bruce and Tina. They hummed and hard about it, but they're like, sure, let's do it. 